Welcome to yet another edition of the Time Out with DG podcast. I am your host, as always, Daniel Gotera. Thanks for joining us. Hope you had a good weekend. It is Monday. It is a post-Super Bowl Monday. I will forever contend that the Monday after the Super Bowl should be a national holiday. I don't know why that hasn't been passed yet. I feel like that's an issue that both sides of the aisle can agree on. Right now, it's 50-50. Everything is so partisan. Everything is so just at each other's throats. But if somebody brought to the floor of Congress... Let's make the Monday after the Super Bowl a national holiday. I bet you that would get 100 votes in the Senate. I think that should happen. Monday after the Super Bowl should be a national holiday. First weekend of February. It's a tradition. Let's make it happen, Congress. As I said, this is Time Out with DG. Thanks for joining us. Go ahead and like and subscribe to the podcast. We will be talking about Super Bowl 55 on this episode. The good, the bad, the ugly... And then I'm also going to tell you about a story that I have related to the day after the Super Bowl. And it happened four years ago when uh, the Patriots beat the Falcons here, 2017. I was involved in the investigation into who stole Tom Brady's jersey. Myself and our sports photographer, Mike Orta. We were involved in that investigation, so I'm going to get into that story a little later. But Super Bowl 55, it was kind of a dud. Yeah? Kind of a dud. Buccaneers won in dominating fashion. I got to tell you, that that in and of itself surprised me. Tampa played a sensational game. When was the last time we saw Kansas City look that just befuddled? I mean, they looked all out of sorts. I know they'd had some issues on the offensive line. Eric Fisher wasn't there and had to move some pieces around. But Todd Bowles and that Tampa Bay offense, defense, I should say, excuse me, they were sensational. They got after Mahomes. And I I really think, and I said this on Sports Extra, I I thought the turning point of the game was the the really bad shanked punt uh, by the Chiefs. Guy with the long hair, man, that was was quite the mane that he has. I can't remember his name right now off the top of my head. But he shanked the punt so badly. Uh, Tampa went down and scored. It was Brady to Gronk for the second touchdown. And it was 14-3 at that point. And you you can kind of, like, feel the defense – for the Bucks, just relax a little bit. They had a little bit of a cushion. They can play loose, get after Mahomes. That's exactly what they did. Great coverage in the secondary. Our boy Antoine Winfield Jr. from the Woodlands had an interception, taunting penalty at the end, which he was very proud of, by the way, afterwards. Uh, he was waiting to do that to Tyreek Hill, but the game was over at that point, so that didn't really matter. Buccaneers were awesome. Great performance. Tom Brady, seven Super Bowls, the greatest quarterback of all time you know I wasn't usually I wasn't always a Tom Brady fan I never disliked the guy like some people like dislike him like my mom for example does not like Tom Brady she says he's a cheater a lot of people feel the same way they'll never look at him the same way because of those things that happened in the past deflate gate I don't really put a lot of stock into that they won that game by 20 points over the Colts that that one uh championship game that's that's I don't know. I didn't. I don't really put a lot of stock in that stuff. Um, but some people see Tom Brady as a cheater. I see him as the greatest quarterback of all time. I never really hated him. But when I was watching that Super Bowl against the Falcons, Super Bowl 51 here at NRG Stadium back in 2017, I was in the stands. I was watching that comeback in person, saw it live. 
my son was just days away from being born. And I remember thinking as I was watching that, I'm going to tell my son one day that I got to watch the greatest quarterback of all time do amazing things on the field. Tom Brady, sensational. He was great again, Super Bowl MVP. And, um, yeah, I don't think there's a question anymore. I, 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 he's the best quarterback. Is he the best football player of all time? I, I don't know. I mean, it's tough to to label the best football player of all time because each position is so different. You can bring different things to each position. Like the greatest running back of all time for me, Walter Payton. Um, he he sweetness was awesome. I heard stories of my dad watching him play. Uh, just watching the highlights, I, I was I was obviously too young. I was two years old when they won the Super Bowl. The Bears back in uh, 1986. I hadn't even been, I hadn't even turned to at that at that time. So I was I was too young to really appreciate uh, Walter Payton. But just all the all the highlights, all the stuff that you've seen. I mean, there's so many good running backs. That, I mean, just pick your poison, right? So many good running backs uh, over the years. But I mean, if you, if you think of like best football player of all time, it's hard to. It's hard to say that Brady is, and that's not a knock on Brady. That's just the nature of the game. You have so, so many dominating defensive players. Reggie White was excellent. Lawrence Taylor was amazing. I mean, you know, Charles Woodson was a great football player. I mean, I, I know I'm naming some, so I'm going to stop, like, putting out names because I'm going to sound ridiculous because I'm going to leave some people off the list. Barry Sanders only played a short amount of time. Like, I mean, there's so many different types of football players, it's hard to say one was the greatest of all time. But as far as quarterbacks go, quarterbacks are measured by how much they win, how much they lead their team to victory. And nobody has done it better than Tom Brady, especially if the metric is Super Bowls. He's got more Super Bowls than any other team. The Steelers have six. And Tom Brady has seven. So there's nobody's better than him. And the fact that he jumped from New England to come to Tampa, did what he did, and he, he's just a surgeon out there, man. Like, it, it, it is a joy to watch him. He's so calm. He's so collected. He's so poised. And then, honestly, that translates to the other side of the ball, man. They had some talent on defense already. And I noticed that last year when the Texans went over there and played him in Tampa. That's when the Texans won the division by beating the Bucks that day. I mean, that, you could tell that they had some pieces, and they just needed the right quarterback, and that's exactly what happened. They got Tom Brady, they got rid of Jameis Winston, added a few pieces, Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski, and boom, there you go, Super Bowl. Bucks win it in their own backyard. I kind of I kind of wish that that didn't happen during COVID because it would have been so cool to see a team play in their home stadium with the stadium at capacity. Uh, I think it would have been so fun. I mean, you can already tell that the crowd was, you know, heavily in favor of Tampa. But I, I think at a full capacity, man, that would have been a road game for the Chiefs. Chiefs did not play well. The dynasty is put on hold, as they say. Uh, I think the Chiefs are going to probably win a couple of Super Bowls while Patrick Mahomes is there. Andy Reid's still a good coach. I mean, they're a great team. It's just they they just got dominated. And Andy Reid said so afterwards. He gave a Credit to Todd Bowles, defensive coordinator for the Bucks. He said, yeah, they just beat us. They just out-schemed us. They figured us out, and they did it. And so tip tip your cap to those guys. That, that, that in and of itself was fun. Obviously, we all want to watch a good game, and we, we didn't really get that. But to see, I think there's something to watching a team be so dominant. I don't know if enjoyable is the word, but... 
I think I think watching that performance was fun in the sense because you got to see top level football being played the right way, especially by one team. I mean, they didn't make any mistakes, no penalties. Uh, so I think there's something to be said about watching a dominating performance and being like, holy smokes, man, respect. Uh, I know it wasn't a, a, the, the game that a lot of us thought we were going to get. We thought it was going to be, you know, three-point game, one possession into the fourth quarter type deal. It wasn't that, but uh, the Buccaneers deserved it. They uh, they took home the trophy. They should be favored next year. I know they got some free agents they have to uh, decide on. But um, they should be right there. Tom Brady says he's coming back, so why not have them near the top? Chiefs are going to be favored, too. I don't really know who's going to knock off the Chiefs in the AFC. That's that's the issue. That's why I think Mahomes is going to win one or two more Super Bowls because who, who's who's in the AFC going to knock them off? I, I, Buffalo looks good. But are you going to go into Arrowhead? <clears throat> Excuse me. Woo. By the way, I'm sorry that I'm recording this podcast so late. That's what happens when you're working at home. <laughs> I had all these plans, man. I was going to record this podcast so early and get the Super Bowl reaction out and get it posted and all that. But, you know, whoo, life throws you lemons and sometimes you can't make the lemonade. <laughs> so uh, it got a little complicated today, but I'm getting this up hopefully before midnight. So I'm going to get this thing up before midnight. As, as I'm talking right now, it's about 1030. But uh, I digress. Who's going to beat the Chiefs in the AFC? Buffalo look good. Are you going to really walk into Arrowhead? because the Chiefs are probably going to have home field advantage throughout most years. Who's going to walk into Arrowhead at the end of January and beat those guys? It's going to be very hard. I know the Patriots did it several years back, but they had Tom Brady. Nobody else has Tom Brady. The Bills, who knows? Maybe they can improve. Maybe they can get better, have a better regular season, get that home field advantage. If it's in your backyard, then you have a chance of beating those guys. But uh, I think uh, as of right now, the Chiefs are the kings of the AFC. And looking into the future... You know, all these websites are now putting up, um, you know, bets, uh, no, odds to win the Super Bowl. And we've got uh, all sorts of numbers and rankings of teams. Not uh, far too early rankings heading into 2021. Texans are near the bottom of most of those rankings and most of the odds. Not looking so sharp. Everybody expecting Deshaun Watson not to be here. And if that's the case, this team is full rebuild and they will not be good next year uh so it will be rough going for the texans for a couple of years if watson does not stay speaking of watson it wouldn't be a football sunday without some news we got some more deshaun watson news he still hasn't spoken to david cully the new coach so that's fun uh those two haven't uh talked on the phone and it seems like uh, according to those reports that were out here this weekend that watson still dug in I'm telling you, I said it last week, the more and more this goes on, the more people will tire of the situation, the more people will turn on Watson, not so much go in favor of the Texans organization because we know how bad they've been, but they're just going to tire of all of it. The whole drama, they're just going to just want to move on from it. Let's start again. Let's rebuild the team. We don't want to deal with any of this. So the more and more it drags on, it's better for these two sides to hash it out now, man. It's, it's better for Deshaun Watson to figure this out. He doesn't look good. The Texans don't look good. It's it's ugly. It's ugly. That's going to be the story of the offseason to look for, especially heading into the draft. All right, rest of the Super Bowl, commercials-wise, I mean, I didn't think they were terrible. I mean, there were some years I walk away from the commercials thinking, good God, 
who put these things together and why are people flushing money down the toilet? Um, but I, I didn't get that sense this year. I mean, there was a lot of, you know, to be expected, hey, during these tough times and messages of hope, and which is all nice, you know. Uh, but that was that was to be expected. We got a lot of that. I thought the Will Ferrell one about, uh, well, it was a car commercial. I thought that was pretty funny. There was uh, the Bud Light commercial bringing back all the uh, old Bud Light commercial stars. I thought that was pretty clever. Beavis and Butthead one was nice. Uh, the one for me, I actually missed most of the first quarter because as soon as I saw the Falcon Winter Soldier trailer on, on the TV and they said you have to go online to watch the rest of it, bam, I was there. The rest of the first quarter was a haze for me. I didn't really pay attention to it because I was watching the Falcon Winter Soldier trailer. So that that was the best commercial for me. I can't wait for that show to start next uh, next month. And, uh, oh, the the, uh, the Paralympian commercial was really good. I thought that was excellent. But, oh, I mean, overall, they weren't bad. The Eminem one was good. Yeah, I mean, in years past. Oh, oh, that reminds me. Speaking of commercials. Oh, man, I got to go back. I got to read this list because I saw somebody tweet this out. The, uh, the commercials that were in the first Super Bowl that Tom Brady participated in. And <laughs> This, this is really good. I don't know if you guys saw this list, but uh, John Ehrlichman, and he's gotten some love on this tweet because it, it was it was pretty good on his part to look through uh, all these commercials. Okay, the last time, the, the first time that Tom Brady was in the Super Bowl, these were the companies that were broadcasting and showing some uh, advertisements during that Super Bowl. AOL, you've got mail, anybody? I know some people with an AOL account still. I think I still remember my... Uh, my username. It was Los Toro Six, the Bulls Six Championships. I was still into the NBA back then, and uh, so it was, <laughs> it was the Bulls and Six Championships. Okay, AOL was uh, advertising. Blockbuster was advertising. Radio Shack, Circuit City, Comp USA, Sears. They're no longer around. Hot Jobs, Yahoo. Voice Stream Wireless and Gateway Computers. Remember Gateway Computers? They always had the box that looked like the cow. So those are, <laughs> we've come a long way. Uh, a lot of things have changed. Uh, that's for sure. The, uh, the, oh, the one I thought that was really weird this year was the uh, Uber Eats one. The uh, Wayne's World one. Man, those guys have aged, man. Dana Carvey and Mike Myers. Holy smokes. Whew. And then they brought in Cardi B. I, I, I feel I feel like Cardi B is just going to take anything that they pay her a lot of money for. Does she even know who Wayne's World are? I mean, it was so odd. It was such a weird commercial. It was for Uber Eats. I don't know. I thought that was that was a weird one, for sure. Um, the one getting a lot of love was a Michael B. Jordan one for Amazon. And uh, oh, remember those old commercials, man? Like Mike. You know, I used to have a crush on Danica Patrick. Man, when she did the GoDaddy commercials, dude, that was top-notch, man. Guys, that was that was top-notch work. Well, that was when Danica Patrick was at her peak. And she was doing all the modeling and all the stuff. And she did those GoDaddy commercials. That was that was top-notch work. I, I remember those commercials. I just those those old commercials like the Bud Bowl and you know, like the uh the non-PC commercial. We're never gonna get that again. Everything is so PC these days. Everything that you see during a Super Bowl, everything that is ta- everything is politically correct. You have to play to everybody's likabilities, and uh, so we're never gonna <laughs> we're never gonna the frogs, the Budweiser frogs. That was so good. So um, I thought the commercials overall were all right. They were okay. 
They weren't terrible, as in years past. Some years, uh, oh, the E-Trade baby was one of my favorites, too. I know some of, I feel like I'm all over the place with this commercial discussion, but uh, when you're sitting in a car recording stuff, talking about the Super Bowl by yourself, your mind's going to start wandering, and that's where it is. The E-Trade baby is one of my favorites all time. Oh, man. That, that, uh, you, I, I think I'm going to go watch that after this recording, the E-Trade baby commercial. Uh, that was that was really good. Now that I have kids of my own, um, that kind of means a little bit more. How about the halftime show? I was excited about the weekend. I like the weekend. I like Bruno Mars. I like those old school artists, the throwback guys that kind of play on some of the older musics and kind of make it their own a little bit. Old tracks and the the the, the retro feel of music. Uh, I like those guys. The weekend is a talented, dude, man. I like them. My wife doesn't like them at all, as I found out over the last couple of days. She was not excited about that halftime show. I feel bad for the weekend. I thought it was a good production overall. Uh, it was. It got a little weird when he was going through the hallways, the lighted hallways, and now that's become a gif and a meme online when he was trying to look for something. That got a little strange, but I feel bad for the guy in the sense that first, somebody told me he dropped $7 million of his own money into this production. <laughs> $7 million, that, that's a lot of, of coin to drop on your own production for the Super Bowl. And I feel bad in the sense that I don't know who was in charge of sound mixing for CBS and, for that matter, their graphics. I I, I thought the look of the graphics was okay, but nothing was centered on the graphics. And then the sound mixing during the Super Bowl halftime show was dreadful. I mean, we were listening to the audio from the stadium, it sounded like. We weren't listening to the microphone, per se, as he was singing into it. We were listening to... The uh, ambient noise, I mean, it, the, his words were tough to make out, and he's not one of those guys where you listen to his music like, what the hell did you just say? No. I mean, you can understand what he says in his songs, and but that performance, I felt bad for him. He's going to be so mad when he goes back <laughs> and listens to that halftime show. He'll be like, that, that should have sounded a lot better than that. So whoever was in charge of sound mixing for CBS should be fired. Uh, that, was, that was not good. I thought the overall production, though, was, was fine. Uh, the guys walking around on the field with the lights, that was a little weird. But, um, you know, some of his music videos are strange anyway. Blinding Lights is an awesome song. Again, my wife hates it. Now I just play it to bug her, uh, give her a hard time with it. So I tweeted out during the, you know, now that I'm uh, I'm a dad, you know, last, last year's halftime show was pretty stellar. Jennifer Lopez and Shakira. I got to say, I approve of that halftime show. I mean, I, I, I thought... Uh, yeah, I thought that was pretty solid all the way around. I thought uh, I thought that was good. My <laughs> it's a funny story about that. I was walking around and went. I think I was at work actually. Yeah, I was at work, and my yeah my wife sent me a picture of said, "Look, your son is staring at the halftime show." I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. I was proud of him. I was proud of him. I, I said, "Son, that 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 was the right thing to do." That I, I was a fan of J Lo and Shakira. They still got it. Uh, but the Prince halftime show, I was in attendance in New Orleans when Beyonce was there. I mean, Beyonce has really pretty much gone downhill since that, since that halftime show. Uh, that was her peak, like right there, man. They brought Destiny's Child back out, man. That was, that was a great show. But after that, she's, that's become a mess. Um, Prince was great, but, uh, I thought, I thought the weekend got a raw deal, especially with the sound. And I, 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 Yeah. He's going to be mad. I wonder what he thinks about that. It would be interesting if he ever does an interview and thinks, well, what would you think of your show? I wouldn't be surprised if he said, man, that sound, sound, the sound, sound was crap on the broadcast. What happened there? Anyway, 
Uh, what else? Super Bowl wise, what what else are we talking about in the Super Bowl? What else happened? Oh, the streaker, streaker. Man, I wish I would have put down some money. And I think that was one of the prop bets that I read the other day on the podcast. Right? A streaker was at like plus seven hundred. If you laid down some cash for a streaker, then you you made out pretty good. Plus seven hundred, that's good value. And uh, sure enough, the guy walked out there, and apparently there's a connection with that guy and the company that he was uh, he had on his like man thong or whatever the heck he was wearing after he pulled his pants down. <laughs> In fact, the, the the best call was from Kevin Harlan. Let me just let me play it for you right now. Down twenty. 5.03 to go. Someone has run on the field. Some guy with a bra. And now he's not being chased. He's running down the middle of the 40. Arms in the air and a victory salute. He's pulling down his pants. Put up your pants, my man. Pull up those pants. He's being chased to the 30. He breaks a tackle from a security guard. The 20. Down the middle. The 10. The 5. He slides at the 1. And they converge on him at the goal line. Pull up your pants, take off the bra, and be a man. And the players with hands on hips at the other end of the field are looking at him and shaking their head and saying, why, oh, why is this taking place in a Super Bowl? Kevin Harlan, one of the best play-by-play men out there. Great call. He's excellent in those situations where those unexpected moments pop up and he does the play-by-play for it. He's done it for animals on the field done it for streakers in the past so this guy got his money's worth and I also read that I think he may have made a bet on himself or somebody made a bet for him then he ran on the field he got a cut so hey listen it was stupid to do it I'm not encouraging to do it but if he if he had somebody lay down a bet and then he did and he got a cut hey at least he was forward thinking right but uh, that guy and the company that he was uh he was representing was the same company for the streaker that was in Game 5 of the 2017 World Series here at Minute Maid Park. Go figure. So apparently that's their thing. They like streaking. Apparently it was an adult entertainment company. Ooh, I think that's what it was. It was an adult entertainment company. Uh, I read an article. We had it on KJU.com. Our, our Tampa station was the one that uh, came out with that article, and we shared it on our webpage. So... Uh, the streak, that was interesting. The game was over by that point, so at least that gave us some entertainment at the end there. And that Kevin Harlan call was just just tremendous. I know he's gotten some grief for it from certain groups, but, I mean, I, I thought it was funny. I thought it was hilarious, especially to think on your feet like that so quickly. I mean, that's hard to do as a broadcaster, and Kevin Harlan's one of the best at it. So Super Bowl 55 in the books. We go now to the offseason, which I'm not really looking forward to because it's all going to be about Deshaun Watson and the Texans. But before we do that, I do have a story to tell you, and then we'll wrap up this podcast. Uh, my story in regards to the Super Bowl, the day after the Super Bowl, that is. So in 2017 for Super Bowl 51, my photographer Mike Orta and I were first in line to go into the Patriots locker room. So what happens is during these Super Bowls, if you guys don't know, or any event, basketball, playoffs, MLB, this is when we got to go in the locker rooms. I don't know when when that's going to return. I think teams are going to get really complacent and, and like this whole Zoom availability thing. But eventually all the uh, the writers and the uh, the media unions and all those people that really have an investment into these leagues, 
uh, they're gonna they're gonna speak up and they're gonna want to get back in the locker room when everything returns to normal. But uh, uh, so last so 2017, we were first in line right outside the Patriots locker room, and we had to make a decision. So the Patriots either go to the Patriots or the Falcons. The Patriots were getting their comeback on. So I remember calling uh, my photographer, Mike Gordon, and we were going to go to the Patriots locker room anyway. So he uh, he went over and stood there in line as soon as he was allowed to because there's a time during the second half when they allow media to stand in line outside the locker rooms so they would be the first to go in uh, to get whoever interviews you want. And we wanted to get a Landon Roberts. Uh, win or lose, we wanted to get a Landon because he's a U of H guy. He's from Port Arthur. We'd talked to him so many times, and we wanted to uh, we wanted to interview him. And so we got we were there first. So the Patriots win. They do the on-field celebration. We come back. They come back to the locker room, and then after uh, you know cooling off period, that's what they call it. They uh, open up the locker room. We we're the first ones in, man. We walked in, and sure enough. There he was. Landon Roberts was right in front of us, and he was holding the Lombardi Trophy. It was a perfect interview. It really well, it was just spectacular. It just worked out so well. We talked to him as he's holding the trophy, raw emotions. So then Mike, he's shooting the locker room. He's getting celebrations. I think we talked to some other guys in there too, but we were on a deadline, so he's getting all these shots, boom, 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 walking around. The camera's rolling, getting everything. And then I tell him, hey, we got a deadline to go on. So we take it outside, we feed the interview back, and they run it on the post-game show. I mean, it was all great. We had Landon. That was probably the best interview of local TV that night because we were right there. We were the only ones in the Patriots locker room getting interviews from local TV. And we got it. We got it on the air. It was great. So it was a late night. I'm, I'm, I go home, and the next day we go to work, and Mike gets a phone call from our producer, our sports producer at the time, and he says, Guys, Tom Brady's jersey was stolen, and it appears that HPD and the authorities want to see your video because they identify that you guys were one of the first ones in the locker room. This is a true story. So we're like, oh, my God, what the hell? Are we? Oh, my gosh. Okay, so we go through all the proper channels. We talk to the news director at the time. She's like, okay, where's the video? They look at the video. You know, all these TV stations have different protocols as to how to determine which video goes to what and all this sort of stuff, especially when the authorities ask for it. So we did all that. They looked at the video, and then we handed it over to HPD. And all of a sudden, they wanted to question us and if we saw anything because they thought that the guy that was believed to have stolen the jersey may be on our camera footage. Because remember, Mike's in there, he's shooting whatever, do, 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 bop, 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 shooting all the shots. And they thought, okay, well, if we can get one of our cameras, our local TV cameras, some of the video, not just security cameras, to see if they can find something. Well, as the investigation goes on, they realize that our camera got the guy leaving the locker room. And you see it, plain as day, man. The guy, the Mexican uh, newspaper editor, he's walking right past Mike. And you see, like, Tom Brady's hugging one of his offensive linemen. And there's the guy that stole his jersey walking right past everybody, right past our camera lens, and boom, right out the door. And there he was. And so to this day, we could say we were part of the investigation into one of the biggest heists in Super Bowl history. Now, that guy had stolen several items. And that year, Tom Brady was looking for his jersey. He had put it in his bag. He was even telling his equipment guys, man, I put it in my bag. I know it. 
But the guy had walked in early, taken it, taken it with him back to Mexico. But our video helped track the guy down and confirm the fact that he was in there and he was the guy that stole it. Crazy story. I know. Pretty wild. But yeah, there it is. That is our involvement in post-Super Bowl activities. The Monday after the game, I'm always going to think about that. Today, we did a story on it. You can find it on my Twitter page. It's kind of cool reminiscing looking back. I interviewed uh, Mike. Uh, He's not usually the one being interviewed. He's usually doing the interviews, but it was kind of cool to reverse roles. So that's my story of uh, the Super Bowl heist, the Tom Brady jersey uh, scandal, if you will. They got the jersey back. Everything is cool, but we're always going to be connected to that for sure. Okay. That's enough for this podcast. It's late. I got to post it before midnight to get this thing out there. Thanks for tuning in. Tomorrow we're going to talk about a host of other topics, and I'm going to get into why I think media members should not be voting for awards. We saw it this weekend. Another guy getting robbed. T.J. Watt should have won Defensive Player of the Year. He didn't. Media members, for the most part, and I'm one of them, don't have any clue what they're doing when it comes to voting for awards. They shouldn't be allowed to vote for them. I'm going to get into that tomorrow on the podcast, hopefully have an interview, and so much more. See if anything breaks. We'll talk Rockets, too, maybe. Kind of hitting the slide, kind of hitting the slump. Some guy's injured. We'll talk about all of that and more on Time Out with DG. I will see you later.